Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I'm Bert Zipperer, a member of MTI Retired. Your support helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming here on WORT possible. Thank you. Hi, I'm Annette Kuhlmann. Today we bring you the latest update on the UAW strike, details of the win by healthcare workers at Kaiser Permanente, news of a rally by state workers, and much more. And if you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WORT and Labor Radio. A huge thank you to those who contributed during our autumn pledge drive, and we would still we could still use a bit more help. It's not too late. As the UAW strike against the big three automakers continues, UAW President Sean Fain today announced a new phase in the strike as he experiences pushback this week from both auto industry management and UAW workers at Mack Truck. Greg Jaboski reports. You just lost Kentucky Truck. With those words yesterday, the UAW rejected a Ford Motor negotiating offer and extended a strike to Ford's largest and most profitable facility, the Kentucky Truck Plant in Louisville, producer of Ford Super Duty pickup trucks and Lincoln Navigator and Ford Expedition large SUVs. Today, in a 20-minute address via Facebook Live, Fain told how he and UAW negotiators demanded a face-to-face meeting with Ford negotiators to see the auto giant's latest offer and described what happened next. We went to Ford headquarters to see what they had to say for themselves. It was not a long meeting. They tried to give us the same deal that we rejected two weeks ago and not a dollar more. So at that point I, I said, that's all you have for us? Our members' lives and my handshake are worth more than that. You just cost yourself Kentucky truck plant. And we didn't wait a minute. We then called President Todd Dunn at Local 862, and he and his local leadership walked 8,700 members off the job. Fain expressed little sympathy for Ford management. Ford, of course, put out a statement about how unfair this action is. In that same statement, they admitted that Kentucky Truck generates $25 billion in revenue a year. That's $48,000 a minute. Our labor at Kentucky Truck generates more revenue each minute than thousands of our members make in a year. The revenue generated by our members at Kentucky Truck is so high that if the plant were its own standalone business, it would rank in the Fortune 500. We're not messing around. Yesterday's move at Ford is significant, as among the big three, Ford has generally assumed to have been making better wage offers than those of GM and Stellantis, the former Fiat Chrysler. It also served to announce that the UAW would end its pattern of the last four weeks, where strike extensions waited until Fridays, as Fain explained today. Ford thought they could wait until Friday morning and then just make a better offer. They stopped being interested in reaching a fair deal now and only became interested in gaming our system of announcing strike expansions on Friday. 
They thought they figured out the so-called rules of the game. So we changed the rules. And now there's only one rule. Pony up. That was UAW President Sean Fain speaking today in what has become a regular Friday address via Facebook Live to the union in the world. Yesterday, the UAW's rolling stand-up strike against the big three automakers extended to Ford's largest facility, its Kentucky truck plant in Louisville. As has been usual, Fain also mentioned other UAW contract and strike actions in his weekly address, including a strike authorization vote for UAW representative General Dynamics facilities in three states. Notably unmentioned, however, was a strike at Mack Truck, a North Carolina-based subsidiary of Volvo, which has factories in three states and has a large production facility in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. At MAC, UAW negotiators had reached an agreement with management, which was supported by Fain and UAW officials. However, on Sunday, MAC truck workers resoundingly rejected the tentative agreement with a 73% vote. On Wednesday, in a blistering open letter addressed to UAW President Fain, the MAC truck rank-and-file committee of the UAW wrote in part, quote, We rejected the contract you and local officials negotiated, in scare quotes, because it fails to meet our minimal demands. Your record contract, again in scare quotes, includes subinflation pay raises, no COLA, a tax on seniority and job security, and extensions to the length of the workday. Many of us are particularly outraged at the proposal to extend the contract from four years to five, which would separate us from our brothers and sisters at Deer, Volvo Trucks, and the Big Three, unquote. Heavy truck manufacturing is a much smaller industry than personal auto manufacturing, and a total UAW workforce at MAC is about half that of Ford's Kentucky truck alone. But the militant organizing at MAC could foreshadow a challenge from the workers' side to the left of Fane and the new UAW leadership, with Fane's announced high expectations for Big Three negotiations extending throughout UAW membership. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. After a three-day strike, 75,000 healthcare workers at Kaiser Permanente have reached a tentative agreement with Kaiser. Frank Amsbeck has a story. Last night, 75,000 healthcare workers, represented by the Coalition of Kaiser Permanente Unions, announced they had reached tentative agreement with Kaiser. As of broadcast, the details of the agreement were not available. The agreement comes on the heels of a three-day unfair labor practice strike, which ended Saturday. The strike was the largest healthcare strike ever in the United States. At the conclusion of the three-day strike, the coalition announced that it could be the precursor of other actions in early November. In their statement today, the union leadership said it was, quote, thankful for the instrumental support of Acting Secretary of Labor Julie Su, end quote. Earlier this week, before the tentative agreement was concluded, Labor Radio spoke with Renee Saldana, Press Secretary of SEIU United Healthcare Workers West, part of the United Healthcare Coalition, a union which includes the SEIU. Labor Radio spoke with Renee Saldana, Press Secretary of SEIU United Healthcare Workers West. We asked her to tell us why the union struck. Overall, workers at Kaiser Permanente are trying to get Kaiser executives to bargain with them in good faith over solutions to the short staffing crisis that is plaguing our hospitals. And I know this just isn't an issue in California. It is an issue in many other parts of our country, which is why this was a strike that went on in various states. What were the results? You know, we are back at the bargaining table with Kaiser Permanente on Thursday. 
the results were that so far, again, we are still negotiating this contract. We still have bargaining dates set up for later this week. But Kaiser Permanente, the, the executives there have been slow walking the healthcare workers that have been trying to negotiate with them since April, not really listening to healthcare workers in terms of their concerns and what they need to safely staff facilities and attract and retain new healthcare workers. And, you know, I can say that after the first day of the strike, we got Kaiser's attention. So even just the first day after seeing those tens of thousands of Kaiser healthcare workers across the country, standing together in front of their facilities, making their voices heard, um, Kaiser got the message. What are the major objectives of the union at this point? Primarily, we want frontline healthcare workers need safe staffing. They need more staffing in their facilities. They are stretched thin. They are doing the jobs of two to three people. Not to mention they are exhausted and burnt out from everything that they went through being on the front lines of the worst global health pandemic in a generation. They're done. Um, workers were also asking for raises that keep up with the cost of living. What are the next steps? So the next steps are a couple of days ago, uh, healthcare workers served Kaiser with another official notice that a follow-up strike is possible. So there could be another strike the first week of November. This is a measure of last resort to let Kaiser Permanente we know that we are not playing around anymore. We are prepared to go out on another unified strike. What do you think the effect is of the strike on other healthcare workers who are thinking about organizing? After watching the Kaiser strike last week, they're feeling emboldened. There was tons of media out there to talk to those workers and get their stories too. And so they're really feeling empowered. They, they said, we saw what happened at Kaiser. We want to do that too. We are talking to our coworkers. We need to have a strong showing to let the bosses and the employers know we are not playing around. We deserve to be valued and respected. Is there anything else you'd like to add? It is the Kaiser executives that could stop this second strike from happening if they just come to the table and bargain in good faith with the frontline healthcare workers who know their facilities and their patients the best. With a tentative agreement between Kaiser and the coalition, it is now apparent that Kaiser Permanente leadership decided to come to the bargaining table and deal with the key issues of staffing and scheduling. Thanks to Renee Saldana, Press Secretary of United Healthcare Workers West. For this interview, I am Frank Emsbach for Madison Labor Radio. <laughs> And this just in, we have the details of a tentative agreement at Kaiser Permanente. It addresses the staffing crisis by raising wages by 21% over four years, establishes a new healthcare worker minimum wage, and provides limits around subcontracting, among other advances. On Tuesday, workers from the state government and the UW system rallied at the Capitol demanding pay, back pay, adequate staffing, and workplace diversity. Greg Gabowski has more. On Tuesday at 5 p.m. at the state capitol, a crowd of about 50 people rallied in support of Wisconsin state workers who are being denied budgeted wage increases that were supposed to go into effect on July 1st. Not only has the Republican-controlled state legislature's Joint Committee on Employment Relations, or JOKER, refused to release workers' pay, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss has indicated that he will not allow any approved wage release if the state's university system keeps its diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, programs. 
Scott McCullough, a worker at the Wisconsin Historical Society and a member of the Wisconsin Professional Employees Council, or WEPEC, AFT Local 4848, spoke to the crowd and explained how workers would not be divided, state versus university, or wages versus diversity programs. But we also heard from folks asking sort of why were we connecting state employee pay to, to diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. That's sort of a sticky issue and that we should really just stay with the issue of, of pay. Or to say that, you know, state employees and university employees, it's a different system, it's a different structure, there's different rules around it. And, uh, you know, if the university employees don't get their pay raise, gosh, that's a shame, but at least state employees might get theirs. And I think that both of those positions are, I guess they're not what our positions are here today, right? We're here just to raise, just to raise for all, uh, I mean, all workers everywhere, but today for all state and university employees and yes to DEI. After the rally, Joanna Frosch, a worker in the Department of Workforce Development and a board member of AFSCME Local 1, described to Labor Radio the personal toll that wage and hiring reductions by the legislature has had on state workers. Sometimes I want to cry. It's just been absolutely so stressful in my unit and my own personal experiences. My position, for example, used to be two full-time positions a little over five years ago. Randy Whale, a worker in the Department of Revenue and vice president of Ask Me Local One, gives just one example of how hiring cutbacks and the withholding of wages that are due has affected the department whose job it is to get revenue back into the hands of citizens. So just in our unit, the Tax Operations Bureau, we have a bunch of different branches underneath ours, one of them being unclaimed property. They are having a very hard time maintaining staff, and the job turnover has been astronomical. One girl just left because she was not given a raise to the, it was called like the equity raise, when we get new people hired at a higher rate, and then you know the old people need to get up to that same rate, she wasn't able to do that. So because our wages are going stagnant, we are losing very valuable employees, which is making the job rates insane. Robert Hawkins is an assistant professor at the University of Wisconsin, a member of the University Labor Council, and of the University Faculty and Academic Staff, UFAS, AFT Local 223. University faculty and staff face the same withholding of wages, and the Hawkins are in the same fight as other state workers. We're all under the same system. We're all subject to the same political games. We at the university are a massive organization. We're serving a huge number of students, providing a public education, and I think that some of our speakers today shouted out this idea of the Wisconsin idea, the idea of a education that is impactful, that reaches every corner of this state. And I think that's also what our siblings working in the state house, working to keep government running, working to keep the state running, all of the services that the state provides running, we're all working toward the same mission. That was Robert Hawkins, a UW professor and member of UFAS, speaking to Labor Radio Tuesday at a rally at the Capitol, where speakers demanded promised wage increases for all state workers and without cutting diversity, equity, and inclusion programs at the university. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. As we all know, bosses who repeatedly flout labor laws, subject their employees to unfair labor practices, and ignore explicit court orders to remedy the situation are not very often seen hauled off to jail. Ha! But that is exactly what did happen in September to Timothy and Carly Dillett, owners of the Haven Salon and Spa in Muskego, Wisconsin. It is a real shame that the Wisconsin Fair Maps Coalition had to create a public telling in the first place. 
In a real democracy, our legislature would have opened their doors to the public and given Wisconsin... It all started in May of 2020 when a Haven Salon and Spa employee was fired for protesting unsafe working conditions during COVID. After getting fired, the employee filed an unfair labor practice charge against Haven with the National Labor Relations Board, or NLRB. The spa owners retaliated by threatening the former employee and her family with legal action. Haven repeatedly failed to comply with NLRB orders to remedy the unlawful termination, resulting in the Seventh Circuit holding them in contempt, ordering them to pay the NLRB's attorney's fees and costs, and imposing fines. After a hearing at which Haven failed to appear or participate, an administrative law judge found that Haven had unlawfully terminated and threatened the employee in violation of the National Labor Relations Act. The judge recommended that the board order Haven to compensate the employee for lost pay and expenses, offer reinstatement, notify the employee that it had removed references of her unlawful termination from the employee file, post notices of employee rights in its store locations, and file a sworn certificate with the board attesting to its compliance. But Haven Salon and Spa still did not comply. So the board filed another motion with the court in August 2023 to liquidate the fines, add the Dillets as additional respondents in contempt, and issue a writ of body attachment a process issued by the court directing the U.S. Marshal to bring a person who has been found in civil contempt before the court. The court argued that the Dillets, as Haven Salon and Spa's corporate officials, were responsible for the company's noncompliance with the court's orders. In its motion, the board also pointed to evidence suggesting that the Dillets had deliberately evaded service of those orders on multiple occasions. The court granted the motion and ordered Haven Salon and Spa to pay the board over $30,000 in fines and attorney's fees. The U.S. Marshal's service for the Eastern District of Wisconsin took the Dillets into custody on September 12 for a same-day hearing at which they committed to a United States magistrate judge that they would promptly comply with the court's orders. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Labor Radio. Una noche el río pasó, ay Carmela, ay Carmela. Una noche el río pasó, ay Carmela, ay Carmela. Pero nada pueden bombar. A new report released by the Economic Policy Institute shows a continued downward trend in teacher pay relative to other occupations. Labor Radio delves into the data to understand the implications for classrooms across the country. Teacher pay has suffered a sharp decline compared with the pay of other college-educated workers, according to a new report written by Silvia Allegretto and published by the Economic Policy Institute. 
the pay penalty for teachers, which describes the gap between the weekly wages of teachers and college graduates working in other professions, showed significant increases from 6.1% in 1996 to a staggering 26.4% in 2022. Last year's level is the highest pay disparity between teachers and their college-educated peers since 1960. The report, which analyzes wage data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, reveals that teachers' real weekly wages have been stagnant for decades and in many years struggled to keep up with the rate of inflation. This stagnation was especially impactful amidst the inflationary surge over the past year. By the end of 2022, teachers' real wages fell by just over 8%, while their peers' wages stayed relatively stable. Even when factoring in the enhanced benefits packages that teachers tend to receive over their other college-educated cohort, Allegretto finds that the added advantage is not large enough to offset the growing wage penalty for teachers. On average, the report shows teachers only earned $0.74 cents for every dollar that other professionals made in 2022. This is much less than the $0.94 cents on the dollar they made in 1996. The impacts of this disparity, along with the other shortcomings in compensation for those entering education, should be made clear. Alarms have been sounding on crucial areas such as teacher staffing, to college students foregoing teaching careers because of low pay, to parents steering their children into better paying professions. To reverse the negative downward pressure impacting the classroom then, the downward trend in teacher pay must also be reversed. Local and state politicians and community members can and must show respect for the profession by significantly boosting teacher pay. Finally, public sector collective bargaining should be expanded since unions can advocate for improved job quality and a higher level of resources. This story was sourced from the work of Sylvia Allegretto for the Economic Policy Institute. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Sean Hagerup. There was a public telling at the state capitol on Monday, October 9th, in response to Wisconsin Assembly Bill 415. Assembly Republicans claimed that AB 415 would establish a fair way to draw our state's legislative maps. Participants in the telling, a forum organized by the Wisconsin Fair Maps Coalition, who want to, who want to create an end to gerrymandering in Wisconsin, testified against the bill, saying that it would only serve to maintain the status quo. The telling allowed the public to voice their opposition to AB 415 since no public hearing was held on the actual bill itself. Labor Radio was there and used the audio from Wisconsin Eye to create this segment. Nick Ramos, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign, introduced the session, and Deborah Cronmiller, the Executive Director of the Wisconsin League of Women Voters, spoke next. It is a real shame that the Wisconsin Fair Maps Coalition had to create a public telling in the first place. In a real democracy, our legislature would have opened their doors to the public and given Wisconsinites an opportunity to share what matters to them when it comes to our maps. Instead, we saw Assembly Bill 415 get announced on a Tuesday and voted for 48 hours later in the State Assembly with no committee or public hearings on the bill. At times, it feels like our legislature forgets who they work for. Here's a friendly reminder. You work for us. When our elected representatives fail to govern in the interest of their constituents, we the voters will stand up and be heard. We will be included in the decisions that impact our daily lives, and we will not stop until Wisconsin has an independent, transparent, inclusive redistricting process codified in law. 
the current redistricting bill, AB 415, that Speaker Voss rushed through the Assembly is not the solution to the problem. The back doors and holes in the bills that allow legislators to continue to control the process are buried in the details. If these Assembly representatives are serious, then what's the rush? The next census isn't until 2030, and required redistricting will take place in 2031. Wisconsin voters do not want legislators creating voting maps. According to a 2021 Marquette Law School poll, 63% of voters said redistricting should be conducted by a nonpartisan commission. It's time to listen to the people of Wisconsin. Take the time to learn from other states that have implemented independent redistricting commissions since 2011, like Colorado and Michigan. Get input from Wisconsinites on what an independent commission should look like and what criteria that commission should follow. It's time to take the legislative map drawing process out of the hands of legislators of either party. The people of Wisconsin want fair maps that accurately represent our communities and allow us to make our voices heard. I would argue that I don't know if a bill is strong enough anymore. If we're willing to throw out the legislative process with no public hearing, if we're willing to throw out all of our norms and rules as a legislature, I would encourage everyone to start looking at something stronger, like a constitutional amendment. Short term, they need to fix this bill so the voters get what they deserve, which is truly representative government. A three-fourths approval of each legislative branch on the third map will ensure that fairness to the voters. Long term, I'm going to agree with Representative Deb Andreka that we need a constitutional amendment to permanently take this process out of politicians' hands for good. So we ask that all legislators vote against AB 415 and allow each and every vote to matter, to count as equal votes, so that all Wisconsinites have a vote in our government. Thank you so much for this public telling. We're stronger than they are. We're not going anywhere. We are going to win this fight. Those were the voices of people at the public telling at the Wisconsin State Capitol on Monday, October 9th, including Nick Ramos, Deborah Cronmiller, Carlene Betjen, State Representative Deb Andraka, Doug Maring, Rhonda Lindner, and Amanda Peterson. Senate Bill 488, a companion bill, was introduced in the Senate on Tuesday by Dan Nodal, a Republican state senator from Germantown. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Madison Labor Radio. Lilly Pharmaceuticals will pay millions to job applicants in a wage discrimination settlement. Carol Weidel has a story. Lilly USA LLC, a pharmaceutical corporation, will pay $2.4 million to settle a nationwide age discrimination lawsuit brought by the Federal Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, or EEOC. Lilly's early career hiring initiative from 2017 to 2021 had goals designed to change hiring preferences to add more millennials to Lilly's workforce. Millennials are people born between 1982 and 1996. This program unlawfully discriminated against older workers. 
As a result of the lawsuit, a consent decree sets up a claims process that will identify and compensate people ages 40 and older who applied for and were denied sales representative positions between January 2017 through June 2020. In addition to the monetary relief, a decree requires Italy to provide EEOC training to certain managers and human resource personnel. In addition, Lilly must survey job applicants on whether they experience discrimination and specifically state to third-party recruiters that it does not discriminate against job applicants based on age. EEOC's Miami District Director said, We commend Lilly for working collaboratively with the EEOC to resolve this lawsuit. Lilly voluntarily ended the early career hiring program prior to the initiation of the EEOC action. EEOC attorney Robert Weisberg added, Although often overlooked, age diversity, like other forms of diversity, is beneficial to the workplace. The EEOC advances opportunity in the workplace by enforcing federal laws prohibiting discrimination. More information is available at www.eeoc.gov. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. Thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Manette Kuhlmann. Thanks to editor Frank Amsbach, assistant Robin G., Reporters Greg Gabowski, Sean Hagerup, Janine Ramsey, Carol Weidel, and Damage Control Specialist Joanne Powers. Special thanks to Keith Stephan, our reader coordinator, web poster Andrew Lee, and to all our readers and the members of the IBEW Local 2304 WORT Staff Collective. And I'm Bert Zipperer. We would like to thank all the generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Now remember, you can still go to the website and donate to WORT anytime by just clicking on that nice button in the top right corner. Now, though, please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts and the Blues Professor Bill Clark. Enjoy. <laughs>